I want to ask you to put together your hands and give a warm EPAG welcome to Josiah and Micah Keneally as they come today. Well, good morning, church. Thank you so much for allowing us to be a part of your Sunday. And we're just thrilled to be here and honored to be here by Pastor Chris and Amber. And just want to say thank you for spending some time with us and letting us spend some time with you today. Uh, Like Pastor Chris said, we are Mike and Josiah Keneally. We are passionate about the next generations and the next generation that is currently here. And one thing that we get to do is we just get to serve them, come alongside them, and really just do a couple things is provide resources, rallying points, and opportunities for them to get plugged into a local church, meet Jesus Christ, maybe for the first time or the 10,000th time or whatever that is, but also step into community. So two years ago, we stepped out to be missionaries to not just Normandale Community College where we once were, but uh, pastors to a generation, so throughout the entire world. So we are honored and thrilled just to be able to lead young adults today as a nonprofit organization for almost two years, which can only happen because of God, and we just, we just love what we get to do, and we just want to share what God has been doing the last two years. It's been a wild adventure. Um, For this next point, we're going to just actually have a video play in the background while Mike and I just give a good report about what God's doing on college campuses among young adults. And just in the past year and a half, I mean, we've seen 78 people make decisions to follow Christ who are young adults. For us, I think that's just what it's all about. And what we're trying to do is park our lives at the intersection of 18 to 30. But I mean, you'll see young adults healed, set free, following Jesus, making just pivotal, pivotal decisions, deciding to go all in with water baptized. I mean, we've seen young adults not only give their lives to Christ, but get called into the marketplace uh, to be everyday ministers of the gospel, to be called into missionaries into foreign lands. And it's just incredible. And we get to be a part of it. It's not we have to. It's an honor we get to. And I just asked Micah if she'd pray over our time together. And uh, thank you, Pastor Chris and Amber, for having us. It's an honor. Like, we know that the pulpit... um, Man, we just, we just say thank you. We honor you guys. There's a move of God happening at EPEG. So fun to worship together. But I asked my kid to pray. Father God, we just thank you so much um, just to be called your children. We look at that as an honor, an opportunity, as a privilege to serve the people around us and to understand that we all have time, talents, and treasures, God. And I pray that we utilize them to the best of our abilities, no matter where you've placed us, no matter what we're supposed to do with them. God, I pray you just give us wisdom, knowledge, and direction. Holy Spirit, would you just guide us and lead us in this day and age as we are trying to navigate what is normal and what is not true and what is truth, God. So I pray that we bring everything back to Scripture, everything back to the prayer room, and everything before you and your wise counsel. So Holy Spirit, would you fill this place with everything that you want to download to every single heart? You have a word for every single believer in this room and any non-believer or pre-believer that's going to say yes to Jesus, God, would I pray you penetrate their heart with the goodness and the grace and the love of Jesus Christ. So thank you so much for calling us and choosing us to be your children. In Jesus' name, we all say Amen. 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 It's so powerful. And you met Micah, my wife of six and a half years. We brought our whole family. The crew is here, but we brought a picture too. In case it's dark and you can't see, we have uh, almost four-year-old daughter, Aurora, and then a two and a half-year-old daughter, Avalon. So proud girl dad. Any girl dads at EPEG? (laughs) I love it. I've got a witness in the house of God this morning. 
so, so fun to do ministry as a family and just really see the faith of the next generations. And um, just a little bit, Micah mentioned some resources. There'll be books available in the lobby. We also have two podcasts that I'll just let you know about Young Adults Today is just really where we have conversations. Maybe you want to know more about the faith of the next generation. We interview thought leaders, generational researchers, apologists, people like Lee Strobel or just pastors, people who have insight on the faith of the next generation. And then we have one called the uh, FYI podcast. And every Friday, we just get a question that comes in from a college student. And maybe it's about young adulting. It's about faith, or it's about future, or finances, or this month, relationships. And people are asking questions. And it's not that we know all the answers. It's just that we know the one who does, and we get to point them to the compass, to the map, to the guide, and lead them towards Jesus. And um, I just wanted to have a stand as we turn to the scripture for the reading, if that's okay. I think we do that around here at EPEG. And you'll be, last week, Pastor Chris preached a message. I've been streaming this series online, so, so powerful. And last week we were book in First uh, Timothy. We'll just be a couple pages over in Second Timothy, chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. And I'll read it if you, if you want to read along. It says, this is Paul writing to Timothy, like his son in the faith, and he says, I'm reminded, I'm reminded of your faith, your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in, that, and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. Verse six, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but also gives us power, love, and self-discipline. You can be seated this morning, and we're just going to unpack a, a talk titled, Expand Your Vision. What, what, what I think, what Paul's writing to Timothy is to expand your vision. And I want to zero in on two words first, on sincere faith, because at the end of the day, my hope is that we would not be hypocritical Christians, but we would be unhypocritical Christians, people whose creed and their deed align, where the rubber meets the road, that their walk and their talk. And I think that we all fall short of the glory of God, yes. At the same time, like there can be a sincere motive and authenticity to our faith to say, you know what? I've been through some trials. There's going to be some testing. There's some perseverance. There's some suffering. There's, there's also maybe even persecution, but at the end of the day, what's going to come out is a refined faith a sincere faith, really a faith that's resilient. And as you study resilient faith in scripture, one of the things that's emerging is that it's passed from generation to generation. I love what the psalmist says. He says, one generation is to tell the next about the marvelous deeds of God. That is an all hands on deck. I love what Micah says, my wife. She says, you're never too young to teach. You're never too old to learn. This thing's generational and we get to link and lock arms. So if you're taking notes this morning, the first stop on our journey is this, see further into the future. If I have one hope for you this morning, EPEG, it's that God would expand your vision. It's that you would see further into the future. Here's a little bit of what I mean. What if we all just made a simple adjustment in our vocabulary and didn't say next generation, but we started saying next generations? One is singular, the other is plural. And before you tune out and say that's semantics, I really think it's significant. I really think it's significant that we grasp a hold of how powerful the word of God is. And, and really what we see is 
First, a mother, a grandmother Lois, then a mother Eunice, and then a, a son Timothy. So it's a plural next generations. And then if we turn just one chapter over, 2 Timothy 2 2 says, And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. And check this out. I kind of made this slide where it looks like um, layers, almost like think layers like an onion. But Paul is, is writing about first himself and then Timothy. But then he's talking about reliable people who will at least be able to teach others. And what I see here is at any given time, whether it's when Paul's writing to Timothy or 2024 today, sociologists believe that there's about six living generations at a time. We see in these two chapters, we've read four verses in 2 Timothy. We see Mother Lois, Eunice, Timothy, Paul. Then we see qualified other people and others still. And, and I look at today like we have the greatest generation, then we have baby boomers. There's Gen X, there's millennials, there's Gen Z. And in the coming years, you're going to hear a lot more about the alpha generation. There's at least six living generations. And my hope is that we'd see that this whole thing is generational, like God has a plan. Because do you realize like Paul, he could have just coasted off of his testimony and said the miracle was good enough for me. He could have been like, man, I killed Christians. Now I followed Jesus. God met me face to face on Damascus Road. I was never the same. I was set free. I was saved. It's good enough for me. But he says to Timothy, the miracle can't stop with me. The miracle can't stop with you. It's for your children. It's for their children. It's for their children's children. And I just came to tell somebody at EPAG that we've got to expand our vision. We've got to see further into the future. And I remember where this intersected my life a few years ago. During the years uh, 2008, 2009, 2010, I had a discipleship mentoring relationship with my youth pastor. He happened to be here about four weeks ago, a guy by the name of Brent Silkey. He preached here at EPEG. But Brent and I, we had um, five days a week, early in the morning, Bloomington Lifetime Fitness, where we ran, we lifted weights, and we talked discipleship, the Word of God, the Book of Acts. We were like digging deep. And we were also those guys, full transparency, who took like an hour and a half to do a 30-minute workout because we also exercised our jaws. But it was life on life. It was mentoring. It was discipleship. It was leadership. And uh, one day, I'll never forget what happened. He stopped me. We were going in the parking lot, and I go, hey, I'll see you tomorrow. We're on for tomorrow morning. And he goes, hey, who's your Josiah? In other words, who are you caring for? Who are you spending time with? Who are you passing the miracles on to? Who are you investing into? It's your turn now. He's like, expand your vision. You've got to see further into the future in church. I didn't realize that the possibility previously existed. I kind of had tunnel vision. But that was the day my, my vision expanded. I learned to see further in the future that the miracle is for me, but it's also through me, for beyond me, for children, for grandchildren, for their children's children. And discipleship, you'll see in this next slide, it's on repeat. Like if anybody, raise your hand if you've got a jam. You've got like your Spotify playlist or you smash that repeat button and you're like, this is uh, on YouTube or on Apple. Like you've got a jam. You were listening. I saw somebody driving into EPEG this morning. They, it looked like they were having fun in their car. And we were too. 
But discipleship is like hit the repeat button. It's disciples who make disciples who make disciples. It's this never-ending dis- like discipleship cycle. And the second point this morning on our journey is to honor those who've gone before. We Honor never goes out of style. Honor looks good on everyone. There's a reward for honor. There's a promise in Ephesians where um, Paul instructs everyone. Honor your father and mother. This is the first command with a promise so that it may go well with you. And intergenerational friendships are beautiful. I did a little research on it, but there are many. There's a host of mutual benefits that are for health, for example, for grandparents who spend time with their grandchildren. I'll read a few of them. For grandparents, they live longer. They have increased cognitive function. For grandchildren, they're less likely to become ageist. They have higher opinions of the elderly. They embrace storytelling. There's a stability that comes that's difficult to measure or exaggerate the benefits. It's also like even just the family meal around the dinner table. This is what one author said. Children who eat regular family dinners experience less depression, anxiety, and eating disorders. They have bigger vocabularies. They get better grades. They have higher self-esteem and eat more fruits and vegetables. Praise God. But we're called to honor others. And I think that um, I met with a, a young adult who used to be in our ministry, and he's doing some really cool things with spoken word and entrepreneurship. But my favorite thing in sitting with coffee with him this past week, my buddy Preston, you know what he's doing? Two hours every week, he's visiting the, the assisted living facility in his community, and he's their chaplain. He's like 26 years old. He's just like, I want to honor people. I want to just like give, give back to a group of people. He's pastoring them. It, and, and I just think that that's what honor looks like. It looks like caring, asking questions, listening to stories, spending time. And you might feel like you're a red shirt or a rookie. You might feel like you're a veteran. There's a place for you. It's all hands on deck. What I love about last week's message is you can picture a quarterback handing off the football to a running back. Or if you picture it like the Olympics, it's a, it's a baton relay race. Like we've got to honor those who've gone before us. Because do you realize, church, that we all we all stand on somebody else's shoulders. Somebody else's ceiling is our floor, and we get to push the next generation further, faster. The third point on our journey is to stay humble. C.S. Lewis said that pride is the sin that made the devil the devil. And humility um, I remember being 25 years old, being asked to serve on the board for a nonprofit ministry, and I can assure you it wasn't that I, because I was qualified. But somebody laid hands on me, and I, I'll go this far. I don't think I would have had the power, the discipline, the love, the sound mind to do what we're doing today, to step out in faith, had somebody not laid their hands on me and given me a shot, arguably before I was ready. And I just ask us this, like, how can you fan into flame a gift that nobody has created room for? So I always want to be humble. Any chance I can advocate for future generations, I want to. Is it because they're qualified? Not necessarily. It's just because, as John Mark Comer says, we're becoming apprentices to Jesus, and we, we got to do what he did. And Jesus chose these 12 young adults, and he invested deeply into them. They did life. They did discipleship. And it was an exchange of the faith to the next generation. And I brought with me this morning uh, magnets. And if you know magnets, 
they, they have a north end and a south end. They, they attract or they repel. Like there's a positive, there's a negative. And what I see sometimes in the church, unfortunately, is division and siloing of different generations. And here's what I've observed, you guys. Um, just observation, anytime a younger generation is seen by an older generation, if this is older and, and this is younger, anytime younger generations have entitlement, it's like the older generation is repelled. It's like disgusting. It's like uh, they're polarized. It, it, it repels them. And at the same time, anytime there's a younger generation where they see ego, it's just like it, it, it repels. It pushes. And I think that's why we have a lot of just like us and them and disconnection. And if we're not careful, we're doing Satan's job for him. Just by being disgruntled, just by being polarizing, just by having ego or entitlement. Instead, how I think the church was designed is when honor is linked together with humility. And this thing's joined together. It's strong. It has a function of lock in step, of going further, of going faster, of a complete body that's built up in the faith, that passes the mantle to the next generation and even future generations that really, are, they might not even exist yet, except God has a plan for them. And I think that the fourth stop this morning is aim for a biblical worldview. If there's one thing that I want to hand off to Aurora and Avalon, it's the faith in Jesus. It's if they get one thing and they, they find a beat-up Bible, they find a journal, and they're like, man, dad really believed this. He built his life on this. This, this wasn't sinking sand for him. This was a solid rock. And you've probably heard in this series or other, other times, anytime Gen Z gets mentioned, there's a Barna Group statistic um, of some research that's found that only 4% of Gen Z has a biblical worldview. Tim Timothy Keller, um, a pastor from New York, he kind of described it this way. Of, with younger generations, they don't always have like the furniture of, of faith. Like some of the cultural nominal Christianity just doesn't exist for them. And so Barna Group found that only 4% of Gen Z is biblically literate, has a biblical worldview, and that bothers me. It's like frustrating. We want to do something about it with our lives. And um, the team with research, they reached out to have Dr. George Barna on a podcast we do called Young Adults Today. So we got to interview him. And I just go, Dr. Barna, it's great to talk to you. Thanks for your research. But I got to be honest, your, your work is like a pebble in my sock. I can't get rid of it. It's agitating. It's bothersome. What, what can we do about this, Dr. Barna? And he goes, Josiah, nobody's really asked me this yet, but he goes, I just found these seven things in our research that have emerged over the past few years that if you embrace and pursue these seven views, you have an 83% likelihood of developing a complete and total biblical worldview. If you only embrace a mixture of the seven or six or one or two, you only have a 2% likelihood of developing a biblical worldview. So I'm like, Dr. Barna, what are the seven? This is what he said. He said, number one is to know God personally, to recognize that the creator of the universe created you and he desires relationship with you. The second thing is that we are sinners. We are born into sin and, and there is right and there's wrong. And 
The third is though Jesus offers salvation, that if we will repent and confess and believe in the Savior, all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And the fourth one, you guys, this one is the one that flies in the cultural popular culture of 2024, which it's this, there is absolute moral truth. It's not my feelings. It's not my experiences. Man, it's not even conditions or the culture around us that decide what's true and right. It's the fifth thing is God's word is true. It's reliable and it's moral. The sixth thing is from God's word, we can know what a successful life in Christ looks like. It's like Eugene Peterson described. It's a long obedience in the same direction. And the seventh thing that from Dr. Barna, um, just like these are the cornerstones and key beliefs for a foundation of a building a biblical worldview is that our purpose, we all have a purpose, and it's to glorify God. It's to love our neighbor as ourself. It's to love the Lord Jesus with all our heart, strength, soul, mind. We have a mission. We have a purpose. And I want to tell somebody here at church this morning that a biblical worldview is not elusive. It's totally within reach. It's totally attainable. So let's build on these seven cornerstones. And in his book, Why Revival Tarries, an author by the name of Leonard Ravenhill said this. He said, one of these days, some simple soul will pick up the book of God, read it, and believe it. The rest of us are going to be embarrassed because we have adopted a convenient theory that the Bible is a book to be explained, whereas first, it's a book to be believed, and after that, to be obeyed. And I think this is why we preach Jesus, his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension. And I felt this on my heart this morning, is that there is a promise for the prodigal. I think that there's a good chance in a room this size that maybe you're a grandparent and you have a wayward grandchild, or maybe you're a parent and you have a a wayward son or daughter. I felt like, just want to interrupt the message just to say this is on my heart. There's hope for the the prodigal. And I felt like God dropped it in my heart to never give up for somebody that God sent his son for. Don't give up. Don't give up on somebody that Jesus gave his life for. When you study the father, even in the narrative of the the prodigal son, what is his posture? His arms are open. He actually ran, which is culturally just bizarre. But this is our father. This is our savior. And we get to be the type of church here at Epeg that just says, welcome home. There's room for you. You belong. And we've been waiting. And you're, you're welcome at the table. And we love that you're here. There's a promise for the prodigal church. And this kind of lands on um, just as maybe some keys come this morning. This lands on, like, to me, what I think is a troublesome narrative in our popular culture the Urban Dictionary, which I know is kind of like a joke, but it calls the construct of my truth a pretentious, personal, non-negotiable opinion. And what we see going back to the, the five things of there is absolute truth that Dr. Barna talked about, like we have it here. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And the troublesome thing about the construct of my truth is what happens when your truth is no longer true. If it's your opinions or your feelings or culture or whatever or popular opinion that you call truth, it's like the troublesome thing is what do you do when your truth is no longer true? And we get to build our life not on sinking sand but on the solid rock. 
The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And, and man, let's pass on a biblical worldview. Let's embrace it. And can we stand across this place? Um, I want to end with a challenge because we've talked in this series about parenting and its significance and the stakes for parenting are sky high in 2024. The case for biblical community and just intergenerational, what can start as friendship can become discipleship, can go to mentorship and leadership and, and passing of the baton and the fates of future generations. But I want to end with just this challenge. Um, one of the things that we've done, I, I just, sometimes I'll be honest, parenting can be overwhelming. It's loud, it's noisy, there's emotions, there's feelings. Uh, I mean, can I get a witness in the house that parenting can be a tough job? And I love it. I, please be clear, I love Aurora and Avalon. I love that I get to be a girl dad. But the thing about parenting, sometimes it can feel like an overwhelming assignment, but in that overwhelm, the past 10 weeks or so, God's just met me. And I just wanna give a testimony of what we started doing, not because we're perfect, but we're just aiming at a target. And it's to pass the fates of the next generation. Here's what we started. I just realized the importance of Bible memorization in my life. And be, remember being in second grade Sunday school and because of Laffy Taffy, I started memorizing the word of God, one verse a week. And the Laffy Taffy's gone, the candy's gone, but the verses remain. Like they are hidden in my heart. Psalmist asked, like, how does a young person keep their path on purity? By living in accordance with the word. We've hidden the word in our heart that we might not sin against God. So we just started our house, be strong, be brave, God's with you. We just started memorizing one verse a week. We read it, we memorize it as a family on car rides, and then we attempt to live it out. What's been so, so cool, it melts my heart, is to watch the girls. Maybe they're developing a new thing, like, in a new environment, and they're like, be strong, be brave, God's with me. Or they'll encourage each other like, hey, Avalon, be strong, be brave, God's with you. And I love that. I think that's so, so powerful. And I mean, somebody asked me when I told them about this, like we've just been doing this one verse a week, how do we pick it? There's no shortage of content. I just think we've just started on like, man, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, forever. But what if we were a church that just every week we picked a verse, we read it out loud, we shared it maybe over dinner, dinner time as a family on car rides. We just worked on memorizing it. There's even like, we were listening to an artist, I think her name's Ellie Holcomb out of Tennessee. She's written like a number of children's books and songs. What she does is she puts music to God's word and verses and like each song is a verse. So the possibilities are endless, but I want us to be people of action. I don't think that there's sidelines with the spirit of God. We're in the game, all of us. There's a plan for you. There's a purpose, there's a mission. And if you are under the age of 30, I'm just gonna ask you to lead the way this morning. I'm gonna invite you to these altars. You can start making your way. It's optional, but, I, but if you're under 30, I'd just love to meet you at these altars. And it, it's, it's that be strong, be brave, God's with you. Everyone can start by being a leader, but I'm just gonna invite us to be a people of action. If you're under 30, just gonna invite you forward this morning. And I noticed this, like we can't make up for lost time, 
but God is the giver of time. He's, thank you, thank you. Can we give it up for the younger generation? Man, we love you. We believe in you. We champion you. This is the house of God. This is the future of the church. This isn't the church of tomorrow. This is the church of right now, right here. Man, I love it. If you want to just like squeeze a little bit, thanks for being brave. Thanks for leading the way, being people of action. Um, If you're comfortable and you're over the age of 30, just what you're invited to do this morning is to link arms like those magnets that work by linking together to just say, hey, you're not alone. I'm gonna join my faith with yours. We're in this together. And if you're over 30, I'm just gonna invite you to come, extend a hand, move. I think movement's good. It might be uncomfortable. I know it's early. It's the 9 a.m. service, but we're leaders. There's coffee. There's donuts. What I want us to do is just to be strong, be brave. And we see, why, why am I doing this? Why are we doing this? In 2 Timothy 1, verse 6, it just talks about, I remind you, younger generation, to fan into flame the gift that God's given you. And how does it come? By the laying on of hands, by saying, look, you're not alone. We're linking arms with you. I'm joining my faith with yours. We're in this together, church. Can I get an amen? And I'm just gonna invite you to, to, to pray out loud, declare a blessing over the next generation. Lord Jesus, I pray for the people in the house and online who are younger generations. The world that they've, they are being raised in is a world that we may not have been prepared for, but your spirit doesn't say, hey, be timid, be shy, hide back. Your word says the time's now for such a time as this. I've called you, I've anointed you, you've got a destiny, you're gonna shape history, and you're anointed and appointed as the younger generation for such a time as this. We're passing the mantle, we're, bring it on, Lord. I pray that there be power, love, self-discipline that leads and guides the next generation, that the miracle wouldn't stop here, but it'd be passed to their children and their children's children. We ask it, oh God, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And um, what we're gonna do next is Micah's just gonna lead us through this next thing. But thank you, church, for, for praying together. The prayer doesn't need to stop now, but as you're younger and you've led the way by moving to the altar, we're just going to turn and face the, the older generations. And what we're going to do is we're going to return the favor and just say, I pray a blessing over you. I'm linking arms with you. You've got to finish strong because I'm following you as you follow Jesus. Micah is going to lead us through a time, but can we turn? Would you extend your hand? Would you just lay your hands on the shoulder of somebody who's older? Yes. So Father God, I just thank you so much for every single generation that's gone before us. God, if there is breath in their lungs and that you're not finished with them yet. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd fan into flame the dreams, the aspirations, the lies that they've been believing, God. I pray that you would just eliminate those. And God, we pray for the gifts of heaven to fall down in and over them right now, Lord God, that they would be able to utilize the things that you've given them, that they would walk out in the boldness and the faith that you've called them to, Lord God, that they would link arms with their friends and their families and the family trees would start changing that there be generational difference makers, God, that there would be no more addiction, no more addiction to pornography, to to substance abuse, Lord God, no more divorce, but there'd be a fight for the things that you have for them, God. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just use them mightily, God. I thank you for the shoulders that we all are standing on, God, whether it's 
thousands of years or it feels like one generation, God, I pray that you would just give them wisdom, that you give them knowledge, that you would just give them the power to walk out the things that you've called them to. And God, I pray that we would get comfortable being uncomfortable as we are called Christians in this day and age, that we would not back down and shy down from the cultural norms, but we would rise up to the occasions, God, to stand up, to be the voice for the people who do not have one, to bring hope to the hopeless, God. I pray that we would live out boldly every single place that we put our foot, God. I pray that we become a threat to the enemy because we are living on mission each and every single day. So God, I pray victory and I pray, Lord Jesus, that we do not have to serve you, God, we get to serve you. So God, thank you for that honor. Thank you for that privilege. God, for the people who feel like they've been living and surviving instead of thriving, God, I pray through breakthrough, miracle power, that you would radically touch them, transform them, soften the hearts that are hard. God, till up the soil of their hearts and their minds, God. I truly pray, Lord God, that you would truly come in and infiltrate, Lord God, their minds, that they'd be truly rewired into the heavenly realms. God, put a heaven-minded urgency in our hearts, our souls, and our mind. And God, I pray for intentionality. Every single place we go, we would look to see how can we bring Jesus to this conversation? How can we bring Jesus Christ into this boardroom? How can we bring Jesus to the darkest places that we step foot into, Lord God, that are literally in our backyard? So God, I pray that we do not believe in the lies of the enemy. We stop finding comfort in the lies of the enemy. God, I pray for breakthrough over the minds, the souls, the impossible, God. You are the God of possible. So God, we just declare victory in the name of Jesus. No more living as a victim. God, we serve you. And we say yes and amen. Here we are. Use me. Give me the words to speak. Give me the boldness to walk out my faith. Baptize me in the Holy Spirit so I have the ability to have the Acts 2 experience that I can live out each and every single day in my prayer life. So Father God, we just say thank you for calling us. Thank you for choosing us. We humbly bow our hearts to you, but we live in a day and age, Lord God, where we need to walk out that power everywhere we go. So God, fill us up so we can overflow into any and all places that we go. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give God some praise this morning. Uh, give you just a second to make your way back to your seat, Act. I want to just give us a moment to thank the Lord for what He's doing because I believe today, this moment, and in general, what God is doing in EPAG is significant. And I don't mean in a local, just in a local church. I mean, I mean in our hearts. I'm going to ask you to stand or remain standing with me. I know some of you just sat back down. I'm also giving you a workout. So, Could we just join together for just a moment before we move from this moment? Can we just lift our hands and say thank you to the Lord for what He's doing? And could we just receive from the Lord right this moment what He wants to give to each and every person, what He wants to do in any life here today that needs it? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hmm. Thank you, Lord. You might be in this room today, you might be online today, and <clears throat> you may wonder what this is all about. You may have some question marks as to, you're just exploring faith and exploring what it means to follow Jesus, and, and maybe you're trying to navigate life and you're trying to figure out, what, what's my purpose? What should I know? What's important? And you've heard a lot of wonderful things this morning. 
And I just want to remind you that there comes a point for each and every one of us to make a decision. Will we follow Jesus? And I just want to remind you that God loved you so much that even while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And that He, as Josiah said earlier, He welcomes us with open arms. Even if you have questions, even if you're trying to navigate it all, even if today you just want to be able to talk with someone about what does it mean to follow Jesus, what is this life you're talking about all about, there are people today who will help you do that. I'm going to ask our prayer team members to come and make themselves available today. And they're going to be here to pray for you on either side of the auditorium, whether you want to talk about what it means or pray to make a decision to follow Jesus today. Whether you have a need today that you need someone to agree with you in faith and and just believe God to work, today is the day of salvation. And I believe that the Lord wants to meet with you. I believe the Lord wants to work in your life. I believe that whether it's where you are at this moment or whether it's in this altar area and you step towards the Lord in any way, He will meet you there. And you can know what it means to truly live a life of following Jesus You can know what it means to have freedom in Christ. You can know what it means to have the guidance, the strength that you need. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Would you pray with me in this moment? Just join me in prayer. Lord, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing in our hearts. Thank you for what you're doing in this local church community. We don't take it lightly, Lord, that in the world that we live, you are at work. We don't take it lightly that you're working in our hearts. God, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you love each and every person who's a part of this moment. Thank you, Lord, that you want to bless and you want to lead and you want to guide and you you want to do all these things, Lord. And we come humbly before you. We invite you, not just in this moment, but in our lives and ongoing into the future. God, that you are invited to work in us. You're invited, O oh Lord, to, to do in our hearts what it is that only you can do. And you're invited to do through us for the benefit of others knowing you as well, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that it's so wonderful to be in your presence. It's so wonderful, Lord, to be together with others of like faith. And I just pray, Lord, today that you would, you would continue to work mightily in each life. God, we thank you for Josiah and Micah and Aurora and Avalon, Lord, and the ministry that you've called them to and their obedience to follow you, Lord. And we pray your richest blessing, not just, Lord, over, over what is now, but over what is to come through them as well, Lord. And that, Lord, as Josiah said a few moments ago, that that this motivation of knowing that people need to know you, Jesus, and people need a biblical worldview, I pray, God, that 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 fire never go out. But that he and Micah both would always have great passion and a heart, Lord, for what you're doing. And I pray, oh God, you would give them opportunity to speak into the multitudes of lives, God, that need to hear truth that need to know you, Jesus. I pray that you would meet their needs and provide for them abundantly. 
I pray, oh God, that you would use the resources that they are putting out, Lord, to make connections with people in every place on the journey, whether pre-believer, whether believer, whatever the case. We just thank you. And Lord, as a church community, we believe there are a lot of pre-believers in our area. We believe there are a lot of people who aren't saved yet, but they will be. Because Lord, you're working and you will work through us. You are empowering us by the Holy Spirit and we will continue to go forth sharing your truth. Father, thank you for the moments together we have today. Would you bless and keep this people? Would you make your face to shine upon them and be gracious to them? May your countenance, your favor ever be turned in their direction and grant them your peace, I pray. Go with us and work through us in Jesus' name.